This podcast may include adult content. Bound Off is an independent, nonprofit audio magazine committed to paying authors for their work. To join us in our mission of broadcasting great stories to a worldwide audience, please consider dropping us a dollar or two at boundoff.com donate. Support for this episode comes from the Loft Literary Center, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the nation's leading literary nonprofits, offering a wide array of online creative writing classes for all levels and genres. Online classes are offered seasonally. Find out how to register at loft.org. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories. At the Core by Cat Rambo and Hair by Ashley Cowger. At the Core, written by Cat Rambo, read by Kelly Shriver. Listening time, three minutes. As I was leaving the grocery store, I saw a black ballpoint pen rolling on the floor behind the clerk's back. I would have stopped, picked it up, handed it back, but she was supervising four self-serve lines and helping a man struggle with his credit card. So I didn't retrieve it, but all the way to the parking lot, I worried. I could see it in my head, someone stepping on it. I could feel how it would roll underfoot, pitch someone backward, arms windmilling, trying to catch their fall. Even as I put my hand on the car door handle, I hesitated. Not too late. And so I turned and went back and picked up the pen and simply laid it on the clerk's desk in a place where it wouldn't roll off. No more danger there. I saw an elderly woman coming towards me on the sidewalk, and so I smiled and said hello in a voice as bouncy as a rubber ball. For a moment she was startled, hesitated, but then she smiled. I've found that greeting older folks is usually welcome. They know how these things tie our lives together. They know that it's moments that make up our world, that it's as fragile as a soap bubble without them, and that there is always time to stop and admire light dancing over flowers or a butterfly perched on an ivy leaf, paper-thin wings lowering, rising, as though it could not help but flex them. When I went into the coffee shop, it was full as usual. I got mine and went to the only empty table. Two toddlers raced past, their mothers chatting, and I couldn't help but cup my hand over the table's corner. So hard-angled, and children's skulls are like eggshells. One mother noticed and gave me a look as though I had accused her of neglecting her child, and I wanted to say, no, that's not it at all. We all watch out for each other. That's how it goes. But I could not put it in my look, and so I took my coffee and left. I know, I know, by now you think I'm crazy, or out for something, or overly religious. But no, I'm no saint or prophet. I get impatient. I am more likely to give a car with an Obama bumper sticker leeway than its counterpart, proclaiming McCain-Palin, and sometimes I don't sort my recycling. But I try. That's the important thing, isn't it? That we try. Over the course of the day, I helped a neighbor. I put fallen trash back in the waste can. I told someone how to get to Lowe's. I told a man who had toilet paper trailing from his shoe and gave a sniffling child a Kleenex before going to wash my hands. And in the evening, I ate dinner and watched TV, and then I laid in my bed, my empty bed where my husband used to be. Because some things cannot be saved, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we fight for them. 
And that, that is the secret lesson at the core of each and every day. The end. Kat Rambo lives and writes in the Pacific Northwest. Her third story collection, Near and Far, appeared this September from Hydra House Books. Find her website at kittywampus.net. Hair. Written and read by Ashley Cowger. Listening time, 4 minutes, 53 seconds. When you are 14, you discover punk rock via the Sex Pistols. Johnny Rotten's sneer, which you spend hours practicing in front of the mirror late one night, is a metaphor, you decide, for the way you feel about everything. Your curfew, underage drinking laws, your math homework, which your teacher insists will be applicable to your future, though you know that he knows you can just use a calculator. You decide you would like to dye your hair purple or green or midnight black with radiant blue tips. You want to cut it short and spike it in a boyish way. You want also to get facial piercings, to get cryptic phrases tattooed on your smooth skin. Your mom says no to most of it, but she says if you want short hair, that's not of her concern. You cut your hair by yourself, standing in front of the bathroom mirror. The long snips rain down into the sink and make curly designs against the cracked porcelain. You think about taking a picture, a memento of the moment you became free, but decide against it. You spike what's left of your hair with glue, but because of your hair's ash-blonde color, the style looks like a Meg Ryan bob and not the fuck-off to society you intend it to be. So you ask your mom again about dyeing your hair. Again, she refuses, though this time she adds that when you grow up, you can do whatever you want with your hair, but as long as you live under her roof, and blah, and blah, and blah. You decide you will take her up on the offer, and vow that as soon as you turn 18, you will dye your hair. You begin to make plans. You buy a few bottles of hair dye, maroon madness, violent violet, and stow them in a shoebox underneath your bed. You cut clippings of punk rockers from magazines to cover your walls. You tell all your friends that 18 will be the year, But when you turn 18, you are working part-time at a grocery store whose dress code does not allow for what it labels unnatural hair. You won't move out until that summer, so you decide you will dye your hair when you go away to college. You have to get a job while you're in college, though, and, like the grocery store, the department store at which you sell shoes won't let its employees sport wild hair colors. You'd quit, but the pay is better than the job you wanted but didn't apply for at Club Z, where you attend punk shows every Thursday night except for when you have a test the next day, or when you have to work late, which is often. In college, you notice that your instructors don't seem to have a dress code. Some of them wear jeans to class. Some even have strange, unruly hair. You decide you will study to become a college instructor. You make it through your bachelor's degree, then enter into grad school, after which you continue on to get a Ph.D. You decide against writing your dissertation on the social implications of the Sex Pistols' final tour across America because the chair of your committee tells you, with a wry smile, that he loathed the punk movement and you really need to pass your defense. You graduate and find a full-time job teaching at a community college, a college, you're shocked to learn, that does have a dress code, natural hair colors only. You think about quitting, but a full-time teaching job is hard to find so fresh out of school. For now, you must play the game. You must wait until you get a position at a university. 
When you do, 10 years later, you're not thinking about your hair color, but rather tenure, which you will be eligible for in a few years. So that you can earn tenure, you write and publish a book, then another. You present papers at conferences, work on the faculty governance board, and work as a peer reviewer for your department's journal. You advise undergraduates on their career paths and serve on thesis committees for promising young grad students. By the time you earn tenure, your hair has begun to turn gray in small, wispy strands that seem to be increasing by the dozen every day. You think about dyeing it to cover the gray, but a colleague tells you she thinks the gray makes you look distinguished, and you agree, so you leave it be. Years pass. You retire and decide to move to a nursing home, though you always intended to live fast and die young. Before you go, you sort through your belongings, and you find the old shoebox you've been moving from place to place since you were a teenager. You laugh when you see it, laugh when you hold the aging bottles of hair dye, azure moonbeam, outrageous orange, up to your face in front of a mirror, testing them against your complexion. But suddenly it doesn't seem funny anymore. You stare at your reflection for so long your vision begins to blur, and you're not sure what you're looking at anymore, yourself, or the hair dye, or something different altogether. For a second, you remember who you are, but then it's gone again, and before you leave, you throw the shoebox away. Ashley Cowker is the author of the collection Peter Never Came, awarded the Autumn House Press Fiction Prize. Her fiction has appeared in several literary journals. Learn more at ashleycowger.com. Listener-supported Bound Off is made possible by grants from the Kern Family Endowed Fund. Further support comes from the Google Grants Program. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off. Copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories.